1: Well, good morning, church family. Aren't you thankful to be part of a church that's got a lot going on? Man, our God is doing so much here. It's so exciting. And we've started this year off with a new series called Water Walkers. We're right in the middle of it right now. And I wanna go ahead and dive right into our passage of scripture we've been looking at in Matthew 14, starting verse 29 says, come, this is Jesus speaking, come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, "'Lord, save me!' Immediately." Immediately, the Bible says, I appreciate that because sometimes I feel like Jesus just lets me sink there for a little bit, you know? Am I the only one that feels that way? Like, come on, Jesus, anytime now. Like, any day now, Jesus, I'm ready. But the Bible says this. It says, "'Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him.'" "'You have a little faith,' he said." Why did you doubt? Today, church family, I wanna speak to you from the subject, drowning in doubt, drowning in doubt. We see in this text that Peter almost drowned because of his doubt. And I wonder, have you ever felt like you've been drowning in doubt. I would want to ask you to pray with me before we dive into this today. Heavenly Father, we know you've already met with us today. We thank you for your Holy Spirit being in this room. We thank you that Jesus has made a way for us to come right into your presence. And we pray that right now you'd speak to us, that you'd open our eyes to, to see what you want us to see, that you'd open up our ears to hear you. And um, that God, we'd see more of your love for us, more of your direction for us. We pray that you'd build our faith today. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said... Amen. Well, like I said, we've been in this series called Water Walkers. And in this series, uh, we're exploring the principle of exception. If you remember what the principle of exception is, the principle of exception is what happens with them does not dictate or determine what happens with me. And man, that is good news for every believer, that just because things go a certain way for certain people, that does not dictate what has to happen in my life and what has to happen in your life. And it can even be people that we're close to and people that we love. But just because there's been uh, specific issues or addictions or problems in your family or in your workplace, in your peer group, it doesn't have to be that way for you. that that there's a principle of exception that in the book of Exodus, uh, God said, uh, it will be different for my people than it is for yours that when our heavenly father speaks about you and I, there is an expectation that when he looks at you and I, we, would go, we might go through the same things other people go through, but we are not to come out the same way that the rest of the world comes through it. Is there any water walkers in this room today? In fact, high five your neighbor and tell them, I am a water walker. The truth is, we, we can get pumped up in a series like this where we get excited about the fact that, you know what, I am gonna be the exception. I am gonna be different. I am gonna walk on water. I'm gonna do things differently. I'm gonna go through bad circumstances, but I'm gonna come out on top. We talk about that, we get excited about it. But then man, you might find yourself where you come out of a church service and, and just like Peter, when he was in the boat, he was really inspired. He was excited for a moment. Like, I wanna walk on water too. That's awesome, I wanna do that. But as soon as he stepped out of the boat, he had faith in the boat. But as soon as he stepped out on the boat and got onto the water and the wind started blowing on his face, he was like, whoa, this is scarier than our thought. And he found himself doubting. And I love this passage of scripture because what we see about our saviors in interaction here with the man that, that Jesus loves but it was a man that that should have trusted Jesus and and he, he doubted. And I love this passage of scripture because we see how Jesus responds to Peter's doubt. It says in verse 30, but when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, "'Lord, save me immediately.'" He reached out his hand and caught him. Immediately, I I love that word. There's so much much in this word. It's a pregnant word. There's so much application that we can pull out of this word Uh, because I, I wonder, it's like, could it be that Jesus acted so swiftly, not because he was trying to save Peter's life, but because he was trying to save something else? Think about this with me for a moment. If Jesus waited four days before he raised Lazarus from the dead, he would have been in no hurry to save Peter's life. He could, have, he, could have let, he could have let Peter drown and then just saved him back on the boat. It would have been a different story, but like, he could have done that. He could have waited four days. He could have waited a month. Like he, it, Jesus, it, could it be that maybe he wasn't acting so swiftly to save Peter's life, but maybe he was acting swiftly to save something else? Could it be that Jesus acted so swiftly because he was trying to save Peter's confidence? That I know you just had a misstep right now, Peter. I I, I know that you, you you slipped and you fell, but but you're going to step right in the future. And I don't want a failure to suffocate you and to drown out your passion. I don't want to let you fall so bad that 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 it stops your pursuit for more. You're, you're you what you have a passion and a drive in you to pursue more to trust me and to do more. So let me save you now. Where only your, only your legs get wet, and I'm I want to save you now. I want to save you quickly, Peter, because I see that I don't want. I don't want you to be crushed by this moment. Aren't you thankful, church, that God has not allowed you to be crushed by the moments in your past, but he saves you when you slip and fall? I'll I'll tell you, church family, if if we were to be honest about my life, I go, I have slipped and I have fallen over and over again. I thank God that he hasn't let me drown, but he keeps rescuing me. He keeps trying to pull me out. And, and, and you might think, well, man, I feel like I've been drowning. I feel like I've been, well, the fact that you're still here, he rescued you from something. The fact that you're in this room, we could all thank God that he rescues us from time to time. Man, our God, he, he loves us. He gets Peter on the boat and he asks him, you have a little faith. He said, why did you doubt? See, Peter found himself drowning because he was doubting. As we look at this passage, we notice that, Jesus didn't call into account. Uh, he, 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 didn't, he didn't call up and said, the, the problem here is the wind. And we're gonna talk about the wind for a little while. He didn't say the problem is the waves. and we're gonna talk about the. He didn't talk about any of the circumstances because Jesus is still standing in the wind and he's still standing on top of the waves while all of this is going on. What is he calling into account? He, he's calling into account Peter's lack of faith. He's saying, why, why do you have little faith? Why, why are you doubting? right now? Could it be that you and I, we, we sink when we lack faith? That without faith, you sink. That's the principle we get from this passage. Without faith, you sink. And that's what I wanna talk about today. When you and I feel like we're drowning in doubt, when we feel like we're, we're lacking faith, it causes us to sink in the very things that God plans on, and has intent for you and I to be able to walk on top of. See, This is what I wanna dive into today is this issue of faith. And in doing so, we need to all be on the same page of what is faith? So uh, I know Hebrews talks about what faith is, but uh, for a very simple working definition, this is how we're gonna describe faith today. Faith is this, faith is believing that and behaving like God is telling the truth. Believing that and behaving like God is telling the truth. Do you got that? Faith is believing that and behaving like God is telling the truth. See, in, in church, though, we can be encouraged over and over again. You just got to have faith. You got to have faith. Just have more faith. Well, well, you're struggling because you need more faith. You, you haven't been successful there because why? You need more faith. Just have more faith. In fact, I get into hospital rooms all the time where I've heard people, they'll come in and you're like, you just got to have more faith. You're to make it through this. You just need to have more faith. And you know what? I know that comes with good intentions. I know that people are trying to encourage one another and we're supposed to encourage one another. But when people say, you just gotta have more faith, it can be a little bit misleading and misguiding because it leads you to believe that you can just will yourself into faith. That if I just make a decision to have more faith, then certainly I'm gonna have more faith. But you can't just will yourself into faith. And I think we've tried it. You come to church services and you leave just with this, this decision, like from now on, I'm gonna have faith. I'm gonna be good. Like from now on, I'm always gonna trust God in everything he says. From now on, I'm a faith-filled person. You walk outside, a little bit of wind blows on your face and you find yourself, I'm drowning. <laughs> like I didn't see that coming. It's like in here, I'm good, I get out there. and like, it, Have you ever just willed yourself? Like now you're, you're getting on Instagram and you're tweeting it out. I'm, I'm a faith-filled person now. Like no, no drowning anymore, I'm good, I'm, I'm full of faith. And, and it's like the very same day that we're posting that online, we found our, find ourselves doubting and, and wrestling because you can't just will yourself in to a life of faith. The Bible says in Zechariah 4, 6, that it's not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You can't just decide I'm going to be tough enough to get this done. And man, th- this happens in a lot of different areas of our life. In, in fact, m- many of you have uh, seen me shrinking over the last couple months because um, I- I've been making some changes in my life. I've got some trainers in my life. I'm going to a gym one of the things I wanted to do uh, is like the bar muscle-up pull-up. And I told my trainers, you know what, I'm going to do that someday. And they said, you can't just decide to do a bar muscle-up pull-up. Like, why not? (laughs) Because you're never going to get that. The way that you do a bar muscle-up pull-up is you have to make the decision to commit to doing the exercise that will strengthen you enough to be able to do the bar muscle-up pull-up. And church family, the Bible tells us how you and I uh, receive faith into our life, how we become people of faith. And, And it doesn't come by us just saying, I'm going to be a person of faith. No, you don't decide. The decision for the believer is not that I will have faith. The decision for every believer has got to be, I am committed to do the things that will build faith in my life in church family I hope you hear this I hope it gets deep within who you are is you can't go through life just saying I'm going to I'm going to be a person of faith I'm just going to trust God I'm going to no you have to go through life doing the things he says to do in order to for that faith to start growing within you that That God says he is the author and the finisher of our faith, that it's not us deciding we're going to have faith, it's us cooperating with God so he can plant faith on the inside of us so that faith can grow. So then when you find yourself in a position where you need to have faith and trust him, it's just already there. And you look around and you're like, man, how'd you have the faith to do that? Well, they've they've had a long walk with God where God's taken them through the exercises of getting them there. So church family, we only have a couple minutes together and I wanna talk about three things that every one of us as believers need to know. These are things we need to know and do in order to be able to be the type of people who develop and maintain faith. Remember, it's not just about developing faith. We gotta maintain it too because remember, Peter had it in the boat but as soon as he stepped onto the water, he lost it. And Jesus is saying, why'd you have such little faith? little faith. So here's three things I want to give them to you real quick, uh, real quick this morning in the middle of this series is this, how to develop and maintain faith. Number one, I need to know who God is. I need to know who God is. Now, before you move on and say, okay, I got that one, check. Let's move on to number two. I've been to church before. So uh, before you just move on and say, check, I want to make sure we're on the same page here. I want to make sure you completely 100% understand what we're saying here, what the Bible says about it, that, that we know who God is. Let me explain myself. The text tells us in verse 28, Peter's on the boat and he says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Lord, do you see this? He knows that this is Jesus. He knows it's his mentor, his teacher, his rabbi. He he knows exactly who this is. He doesn't call him by name. He calls him by his title. Because sometimes it's not just about knowing that someone exists, it's about knowing who they are. And the Bible tells us there are are many people that know his name because people will say, yeah, I I believe in God, I know God. Yeah, well, who is he? Do you actually know him or, or do you know of him? And this is a principle I taught my daughters when they were younger because they'd, 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 they'd see something on Instagram or something on TV. They'd see Justin Timberlake perform and they'd say, I know Justin Timberlake. I'm like, no, you know of Justin Timberlake. There's a big difference. If you call Justin Timberlake, he's not answering his phone, okay? Because you have to know, there's a difference between knowing of someone and knowing who they are. And and here we we see that this principle is so true when it comes to our relationship with God. There are so many people that that talk about God, but do you actually know him? Do you know who he is? In fact, the Bible makes it so clear in this. um, In James two, it says, you say that you have faith, for you believe that there is one God. Good for you. Even the demons believe this and they tremble in terror. Even the demons believe that there's a God. Like you, you don't get a star on your chart because you say you believe in God. The question is, do you know him? Do you know who God is? Because it's one thing to know that there is a God. There's an, it's another thing to know that he is a provider. It's one thing to know that there is a God. It's a whole nother thing to know that he is a healer. It's one thing to know there is a God. It's a whole nother thing to know that he's a sustainer, that he's a waymaker, that he calls himself the resurrection and the life, that it's one thing to know that there is a God, but, but do you know he's there with you? Cause man, it, it's one thing to know that there's a God, but that has never gotten me through a single crisis in my life. It, it, but knowing that he is Emmanuel, that he is God with us, that he's not a distant far off being somewhere else, but he's actually with me right now when I know that. And I know he says, for I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. It's a whole nother thing when you find yourself in a waiting room at a hospital, instead of just going, there's a God out there to know that my savior, Jesus Christ, though I might not see him with my eyes, he's in this room with me now. I know him, I know him. Church family, do you know God? Do you know him? Because when Peter says Lord it suggests that that he's not calling on just a uh, a name. He's not calling an idea. He he's he's calling on a title. He's saying, "What I believe about you is, I know your Lord. I know your Master. I know that when you talk, the wind and the waves they have to submit to you. So if you tell me to come, then what's going to happen is you're going to suspend the law of gravity. So I want now I'm going to be able to sustain my own way on top of the waves because everything has to come into command because you are the Master. You are the Lord. He's saying, "I know who you are." And there's a confidence that comes up when you start to. Learn about God and learn who He is. When you start to recognize, like it, he, it's not that He's just God, but He's my friend. It's not that He's just God, but He's my waymaker. And see, God will teach you different aspects of Himself. Now you need to know about Him before you need to know them, church family. That is why it is so important for every believer that there is consistency. And, and, and being part of a church family. There's consistency in church attendance. There's gotta be consistency in being in your small group. There's gotta be consistency in reading your Bible because do you know who he is? Are you continually learning who he is? Because you're gonna find yourself in a place where you need a comforter. And if you haven't already been introduced to the aspect of our God where he calls himself comforter, then the problem is we start looking for comfort in other things. You're like, God said, I'm already the comforter. And, and now you're going, well, I'm trying to look for comfort. I'm trying to look for peace in all these different areas. If I can just get a little more rest or this medicine or this, this drug or this addiction, somehow I'm going to find something that's going to give me a little bit of comfort right now. And it will never satisfy because God said, I've already, I've already made you to need that from me where I'm the only one who can fulfill that in you. So I wonder, are you following the disciplines? And and I know already like, you're here today. So it's like, are you, pastor, are you really preaching to the people that are at church about being at church? Yes, Um, you're you're at church right now, I get it. But but are are you disciplining yourself to, to continue to learn who he is? Because these things build our faith. It's one thing to know there is a God. It's a whole other thing to know who he is, what he has committed himself to do. That's what a title is. When God calls himself by titles to introduce us to new aspects of himself, he's saying, this is what I am committed to be in your life. You gotta know who he is because that's what builds your faith. You don't just say, I'm gonna be a faithful person, but by committing to knowing who God is, now all of a sudden faith is growing in you. So number one, if I wanna develop and maintain faith, I have to know who God is. Number two, I need to know what God said. I need to know what God said. Verse 29, Jesus said, come, he said. Then Peter got down on the boat, walked on water and came toward Jesus. See, Peter didn't go until Jesus said, come. So he had the faith to move because he heard what God said. So if you remember that that faith is believing that and behaving like God is telling the truth, then I've gotta know what he said. I can't believe him and I can't behave accordingly if I'm not listening to what he's saying. This means that your faith is gonna rest on your conviction regarding whether or not God is a truth teller. See, it doesn't matter how much you know he said if you don't believe that he's telling the truth. And this is what the Bible says about God's truth-telling capabilities. Numbers 23 verse 19 says, God is not human that he should lie. Not a human being that he should change his mind. I wanna pause and think about that for a moment. Because I, I read this like, wow. I've been around a lot of fickle people. I'm, I can be a fickle person myself, right? Where I like, I I decide I want to do something. I change my mind. I I make a commitment, something I might change my mind. We're all people, we do that. And the Bible is telling us very clearly, God is not a human. So the way you and I process how we might change our mind, that doesn't happen with him because when he speaks something, it becomes reality. So if he said it, he's not going to change his mind. The promises he's given you, church family, understand he has not changed his mind. When he offers forgiveness to you, he does not change his mind. He said, I, I will supply your needs and I have not changed my mind. He, he says things like, your enemies will come at you one way and flee from you seven different ways and I haven't changed my mind about that. And he says things like, I will do exceedingly, abundantly more than you ask, think or even imagine and I haven't changed my mind about that. So even when you change your mind about things, even when you change your mind about God, it doesn't mean he changed his mind. Because he doesn't lie. He's not a human like us. He, he doesn't think and process like us. He, he doesn't lie. So when we look at that, we wonder, are, are, we, are we treating God like he's a truth teller? Am I believing that with the words that he speaks to us through his scripture, through, uh, uh, through the way he, uh, he, he responds to us when we worship, when he speaks to us, do we believe that he's telling the truth? This church family is so important for us to understand. If I'm gonna live my life based off of believing what he says is true, then I need to know what he says. And church family, let me, let me just be honest. It's, it's such a frustration that, that you know, I've dealt with with my own life, with my own kids' lives, when, with our family, our close friends, and then our whole church family. When we go through things like, I don't know what to do about this, when the Bible is full of God already telling us everything that we need to know. It's like, like well, I don't know if I should go this way or that. I don't know if I, if I should follow him in this direction or if I should do this. When, when God has already told us what to do, do you know what God has said? Because this is where we go back to, to the answer to point number one is, is this is so important why church attendance and consistency and being in church services and reading your Bible is so important is because when, when you're consistently reading God's word, you're hearing and learning what he has to say. And then when you're consistently coming to church and being in small groups and classes, you're consistently learning and hearing what he has to say. And the Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. If you want to have faith in your life, then one of the things you have to commit to is making sure that you are hearing what God says. I got to know what he's saying. and not, not just what he said to you, but what he said to me. I got to know from a consistent relationship with God when I pray a prayer like God should I take this job or should I take that job? I've got to be so consistent in hearing God's voice that I know when it's Him speaking or if it's someone else speaking when I'm getting an answer back. I wonder, as as a follower of Christ, are you someone who really does know who He is? Do you know what He said? Because if we want our faith to grow, we have got to be the type of people who know what he has to say. The Bible tells us something about hearing the word of God that is so important for us to understand. In the world that we live in, in Ezekiel it says, uh, there's a comparison that the word is like water. In Ezekiel 36, 25, the word is like water that washes our mind. Okay, that there's this principle that every time we hear the word of God, it, it becomes like water that would come and scrub off. It's basically like a spiritual car wash for your mind. So whenever you come to church, it's like you went to the car wash. And what are we doing here? We're, 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 we're getting brainwashed, right? <laughs> yeah, put, put that online, right? Um <laughs> Because every time we come together, we hear God's word. What's happening is, is the dirt, the junk that gets on us throughout the week starts to become scrubbed off because you'll get dirt on you. And there's pessimism and cynicism and doubt and unbelief that's gonna get on you. And, and it'll, it'll come in through your eye gate. It'll come in through your ear gate from what you're seeing and what you're hearing throughout the week. It'll get on you. And then we come into this place and it's like God starts to scrub things off to you. Who told you that you can't overcome this? I didn't say that, so I gotta wash that off of you. And who told you that you can't recover from this addiction or, or from that circumstance? I'm gonna scrub that. Who told you that you have got to be the tail that you can't ever move forward in life. Who told you that things gotta go the same way? I'm gonna take all this dirt and this junk and these lies from the enemy and I'm gonna scrub them off and I'm gonna wash you new and and start telling you what my truth is over your life. And that's when we hear his truth about the fact that he's made us the head and not the tail, that we are more than conquerors, that that he uses us as a conduit and a light for the rest of the world, that he, he can use us as vessels to bless other people when we learn these things. It's like that car wash. And man, you remember when you were like 16 years old, you got your car, it was probably a piece of junk, but, but you'd still get out there with the garden hose and you would wash off that car. And when you were done, you, you had a new swagger getting in your car, Right? You're driving down the road, look at me, right? I mean, there's smoke coming out of the engine and the dents everywhere with the bumpers falling off. you're like, look at me. And I felt like my car would drive a little bit faster when, when it was washed, and it was clean. I'm telling you church family, when you leave church, you should walk a little bit different. You should walk with a little more swagger going, I know what my God says about me. I know how he created me and I got all that dirt off. I got all that junk off. So watch me go through life a little bit faster now. Watch me go through life with a little bit more attitude, a little bit more swagger because I know what he said about me. My car has been washed. Because I know what he said. Some of you have been hearing lies from the enemy. You understand that, that, that the enemy will come to discourage you. He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. John 8 talks about the fact where Jesus says that the, the devil is a liar. In fact, he calls him the father of lies. So what does the devil do? He tells lies. He's incapable of telling the truth. So I wanna encourage you with the fact some of you have been listening and tuning in to the voice of the enemy that would discourage you and say, you can't do it. Good news, God said he's a liar. What does that mean? You can so if he says, you're not gonna be a good father, you're not gonna recover from that, the good news is that means you can recover from that and you can be a good father. When he's, oh, the economy's gonna crash, so we're gonna have to lay people off. The good news is you heard that from someone who wasn't your heavenly father. What does that mean? The opposite is true. We trust the fact that he can bring me out. He is gonna do good. Do you know what he said? Man, we wanna be people who have faith. We wanna be people who walk on top of what other people drown in. And you can't just decide that what I'm gonna do then is I'm gonna be a man of faith. No, I decide. What I'm gonna do is I'm gonna know who my God is. I'm gonna know what he said. And then number three, I'm gonna know what he did. I am going to know what my heavenly father has done. What has my God done? Matthew 14, 31. Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said, why did you doubt? Jesus said to Peter, you have little faith, right? But then he asked a question that's a little bit weird. Why did you doubt? See, that's a little weird to me because I look at the story, I'm like, I know why he doubted. Because yeah, people can't walk on water. Because he's sinking, he's wet, the wind's blowing. Like there's waves crashing up against the boat. It's scary. I know why he doubted. Yeah, I got it. Why, why would you ask a question like that to Peter? Why, why? Why are you saying, why did you doubt to someone who was in a situation that's sinking and scary? And, and I get frustrated with this because I, I've been around people of different church backgrounds and sometimes you've been around those people that they'll say things like, you just don't claim that. Don't claim that. Well, I heard, I, I got a bad report from the doctor. Well, don't claim that. It's like, Going through life, not claiming the circumstances of what's going on in life is not going to help you walk because you'll see, don't claim that you're drowning. Don't claim that you're about to sink. Oh, you're sinking. You're like, no, I'm not sinking. I'm not sinking. No, you're, your hair, you've got water in it too. Like I'm looking at you, you're wet too, just like me. You're sinking too. See, faith is not a denial of circumstances. Faith is trusting and believing God in spite of the circumstances. And we have got to understand what this looks like, that, that, that we have got to understand that when I am saying I've got a bad diagnosis from the doctor, when I'm saying I've gone through some difficult times, when I'm saying that there's struggles in my marriage, when I'm saying these different things, I'm not saying that that's what I want for my life, but I can't just deny it and expect God to do something about it. Because if I'm saying there's no problem, then God's like, well, I don't have anything to do then. <laughs> if you, can I help you? Can I, can I do something for you? Can I reach out and rescue you? No, I'm good. No, God, I'm not good. I've got issues, I got problems, I got circumstances, and I'm not gonna be in denial of them. I'm not gonna say that it's gonna be the outcome of my life because I am your child, therefore I am an exception, but God rescued me from this water. We've gotta get to, to the place where we're not denying where we are, because see, when I, when I when I'm trusting God, what I'm doing is I'm believing the truth of His word over the facts of my circumstances, and truth always is more important than facts. Say, so what are you talking about? Well, the facts is what I look around and see. The facts is what's normal for everyone else. The facts is, yeah, my wife's mad right now. Yeah, she left. Yeah, my business is struggling right now. That's the facts of what I look around and see. But when I know what God had to say about it and what he's done about it, then the truth is more important and overrules the facts. And my my facts can't change the truth, but the truth can change my facts. And we've got to look back and start to recognize what has God done? So we get back into this story. He says, Peter, why did you doubt? And we're like, what a weird question because he was in a scary circumstance. But if we go into context of what took place over this last 24 hours, what did, what did Jesus just, just do? Because if we look at the story, like, yeah, he walked down, uh, Peter walked on water, he sank. That's the end of the story. No, this was less than a 24-hour period of time from one of the most significant miracles that is recorded in the Bible that Jesus did for a group of people. He fed 5,000 people who had no food. He was given two loaves of bread and five fish and fed 5,000 people where there was baskets left over afterwards. He's saying, look at, did you forget, Peter, what I just did? Did you forget the fact that out there there were people that needed food? And, and I provided so I'm so faithful that I provided more than enough for them. And you're in the boat with me. Did you forget what I just did? Why do you think that I would feed people out there and, not, and let someone in the boat with me drown? What is he teaching us? He, he's teaching us that strong faith is tied to a strong memory. That you to have strong faith in your life, have to have a strong memory of every time God has been faithful to you. That when good things happen in your life, you look at them objectively and you look at them and recognize that he did certain things in your life. And this takes intentionality. For us to be the type of people that know what God did, obviously, number one, we gotta go back to to consistency and being in church and being in the scriptures and being around other believers where we're studying the Bible together so we know what he did for his kids throughout history. We've gotta be intentional there. But we also have to go back and be intentional about recognizing where has God been faithful in your past? What has he already brought you through? And in order to do this, what we might have to do is we have to go back and relabel things that we mislabeled. Because we go back, and, and, and we, the, the Christian church in America it has done this so bad. Our society has, we've let it in, in the fact that what we will do so many times is we will look back on our life, and man, I made it through that, that car crash. I am lucky, whoo, yeah, you are lucky. You made it through that one. It wasn't luck. You go, oh man, I can't believe you made it through a life where, where you were raised in that circumstance, in that situation, you came out of it. Man, you are an overcomer, you're a survivor. No, you're not. Because when we look back, it, was, it wasn't luck that got you through the car wash, it was his faithfulness. or through the car crash, it was his faithfulness. It, it wasn't luck that caused you to survive the, going through that divorce, it was his faithfulness. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't that God sustained you through other things in life so that you could call yourself an overcomer, but he sustained you through life so you would recognize he's the overcomer and he's the one that carried you through. And it takes going back, and, and if you just do this, if you take the discipline to just stop and go, wait a minute, you know what? I probably should have died in that car accident. I probably should have failed out of school here. I should have got arrested that one time. I should have lost this relationship. These things should have happened but because of the faithfulness of God, I have a track record if I look back that I have mislabeled. I've labeled it all wrong and given so much of the credit to myself and to luck and to all these other things when God is good and God is faithful, I recognize, I look back and I see what God did. Church family, that takes intentionality. So what I want to encourage you to do, this is kind of a a different way to end a service because this is not one of those services where we leave here where I'm going to pump you up and be like, go be people of faith. (laughs) (laughs) Step out of the boat, I'm drowning. (laughs) But what I want to encourage you is, will you commit? If, If God says that, That what we need to do is know who he is. We've got to know what he said and know what he did. It's not gonna happen on accident. It's gonna take the discipline of saying, okay, then from now on in my family, in my house, we will serve the Lord. We will come to church. We will be in our Bibles. We will be spending our time, not focused so much on what's on social media, but focus more on the word of God. And we are going to recognize and give credit to God where credit is due because we are gonna go through storms. And God wants you to walk on top of what other people drown in. And it takes faith. Faith is not gonna happen just by deciding to have faith. It's gonna happen by deciding to do the things that bring it. Heavenly Father, I thank you for every person in here. And I pray tonight that you, uh, the, today that you would give us a resolve in our spirits that we would be people who commit to knowing who you are that we would learn every aspect that you teach us about yourself, that you are a provider, you are a way maker, you're a sustainer, you're a life giver, you're the resurrection of life. God, we could go on and you want to go on in our lives. So help us, God, to commit to making the time to get in your word, to committing to church, that we would learn who you are, we'd learn what you said, and we would always learn and recognize what you've done in our lives. I pray that you would help us, God, as we continue in this series, as we're learning to be people who walk by faith and who trust you, I pray that you help us to be consistent here. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said? Amen. Amen, I love you, church family. See you next Sunday.
0: Thanks for listening to this week's message at Fellowship Church. If you have not made Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, I wanna give you the opportunity to do that right now. The Bible says in the book of Romans, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, and you can do that right now. I just want to encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner, and I need forgiveness. Please forgive me of my sins. I believe that you are Lord, that you died on the cross for my sins and that you rose again. And God, I thank you for that. I ask you now to be my savior, to guide my life and to give me a home forever in heaven. And God, I ask you this in your precious son, Jesus Christ's name, amen. If you just prayed this prayer for the first time, or if you need prayer, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at 970-245-PRAY or at at com. Thanks again. We hope to see you next week.